Hello and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We are your host, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillman. This is episode 279. So this was your idea, Stephen. This is all your fault. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, blame it all on me. Uh, so this week, our topic, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, engineering resumes and interviews. When you suggest this, I'm like, this is going to be a lot of fun to talk about. But I don't know if I am qualified. Like everything I I I was taught about resumes and interviews and stuff like that when I was in school, I don't do. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing or people should take advice from me. Um, I've read Stephen did, did some notes before the podcast. Whatever Steven says, do what he says. Don't do what I say during this podcast. Episode. Oh, come on. Yeah, I'm sure you have plenty of uh, good things to say about it, right? Okay. Uh, well, I, I, and, and that's actually... Okay, so that's that's one of the things to start with is like the... I, I agree with you. Sort of like the classic way of both doing resumes and interviews. I really don't think they apply as much anymore. There's there's a handful of things that I, I'm certainly I'm going to talk a lot about my experience being on both sides of the table, giving my resume and reading other people's resumes. Um, but but I I've, I've seen a trend where the the way my father taught me how to write a resume and how to you know act and 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 be a particular way in an interview just in my experience hasn't really applied. Uh, now at the same time we're I, we're specifically talking about the subset of engineers. Um, this is yes. the MacFab Engineering Podcast. So we're, we're talking specifically about how we as engineers approach this and uh, like what are, what are tips and tricks in, in, in order to get past this. Yeah, and also it's like, you, like we both currently work for non-engineering firms or anything like that. We Engineers are not the... What's a good way to put it? Because um, they're both manufacturing companies where engineering is just a side thing that you need in those companies, not like an engineering firm where there's like 600 people and 550 are engineers. <laughs> right, right. That's a scary place. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so we'll break this into two and we'll, we'll talk about resumes first and just a bunch of stuff around resumes and then we'll talk about the interview um, and and what you can do in there, and and so for under resumes, I think I think it's important to step back and just look at what is the main goal of a resume. And in my opinion, a resume does one thing and one thing only: it gets you to start a conversation. That's it. Like a resume itself isn't the thing that gets you a job. It is a thing that gets you a conversation in order to get you a job. And it should be approached that way, in my opinion, um, as an engineer. So we should, we should be kind of honing our resumes and sculpting everything in, with that in mind. How do we get this to get somebody excited to want to talk to me? Because uh, I could put boatloads of information on a piece of paper. Someone's still going to want to talk to me uh, mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So... You're not, you're not just going to be like, you hand your resume over and you get an email back that says, what's your direct deposit information? <laughs> right, yeah. That's just not going to happen, right? Like, that's, yeah. So, f for me, a resume is, um, like, if I if I get someone in for an interview, I've already decided that you have the qualifications needed for the job. 
which is your resume is supposed to show that. Um, and when we get to the interview section, we'll, I'll go more into that. But that's that's for me. Like you, the the resume is to show that you have the qualifications for the job. Yeah, in a lot of ways, the resume the first time it's looked at, it's basically a sniff test just to see um, did. Is, is there just some random person applying for this job? Do they even read the job description? Do they have the bare minimums that we asked for in the job description? Mm-hmm. Uh, like the first look most of the time isn't digging into detail. It's just like, you know, yes or no pile real fast. Yeah, kind of it, it, it's, it's, it's like you're going through the, for lack of better terms, the SEO of the resume and you're kind hitting of. the terms that you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, okay. And, and before we go any further, I've, I've, at every job I've had post college, I have been involved in interviewing. Uh, just somehow, for whatever reason, I always got pulled in. At my first job, I did one hundred percent of our engineering uh, interviewing. Uh, I also did recruitment and went around to schools, uh, like colleges in in Texas and things, and we did job fairs and things like that. Uh, at MacFab, I helped out with a handful of uh, interviews, depending on how engineering would. Um, fit with whoever we were interviewing for. And then at, uh, at my current job, I, I pretty much am in every interview except for jobs that I just have zero interaction with, like shipping. I wouldn't be in a shipping person's interview. I just, that doesn't, that doesn't apply to me. So I, I have a decent amount of experience, uh, across the board, um, from engineers all the way uh, across. So, so Parker, have you, um, sat in on many interviews and looked at resumes? Uh, lots, lots. Um, yeah, I like when Steven got hired at MacFab, that was one, any engineer at MacFab, um, for a long time when we were, we were like sub like 40 employees, I pretty much interviewed like every other person. Um, so Parker and I both did marketing. Yes. Yeah. Mainly because we were, we, we had to grill them about the podcast. (laughs) About the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. So, okay, so a resume in general is intended to give somebody a snapshot of you. Uh, It's not meant to be your entire autobiography. It's not meant to tell them every little aspect about you. It's not meant to be your entire life story. It's just a snapshot of you. And one of the things that I want to drive home that I think is super important, and we'll probably talk about this a handful of times down down the way, is um, being clear and concise 99% 99% of the times is better than than putting too much information. The thing to remember, and, and, and I've driven this home with so many different topics, especially actually CMs and stuff. Uh, how many times on the podcast do I say, like, pay attention to who's going to get what you're making or, or put yourself in their shoes? I remember um, multiple times I wasn't even aware that I was going to be in an interview. And like 20 minutes before a string of interviews, I get the resumes on my desk and I get like four or five and they're like, oh, you, your next two hours, you're, you're going back. You're to interviewing now. I had never seen their resumes. I'd never done anything. I had to learn about these people in 20 minutes and I just had to scan their resume. I didn't have enough time to go with a pencil. So uh, you know, I really appreciated when I got resumes that were very clear and easy to read and easy to see. When I got those resumes that were just a brick of text all the way down, you, it's not that I didn't want to. I just didn't have the time to read all of that. So guess what? I didn't. I didn't read 
all of the stuff that that person wrote. And I, the thing is, I, I'm sure that they really poured a lot of their passion into writing all of that. And, and I feel bad because I would like to read it. But just remember, the person on the other end who's getting your resume probably isn't going to read most of it. So you got to put the information in the right spot that makes it easier for them to read. And and also in a, in a kind of going leaping forward a little bit for the interview side of things, uh, in that same vein, if you're trying to put yourself in their shoes, in the interview, they're trying to think of questions to ask you. They don't always have those interviews directly in front of them. So if you make your resume easy to read, they can scan at your resume, look at it real quick, and and come up with questions on the spot almost. If it's just a giant paragraph of every little thing you've ever done at your job, like that's not going to spark any questions. Or worse, it'll spark some really awkward dead silence in the uh, middle of an interview. That's usually not good. Both sides of the table don't like that. When the interviewee goes, <laughs> as they're trying to scan your resume, it's not a good, yeah. not a good sign. Yeah, usually, usually isn't good. So uh, err on the side of caution when it comes to adding stuff to your resume. And, and I just mean more words. More words does not equal better. Uh, in fact, fewer typically equals better. So uh, now you were talking about this earlier, Parker, the whole like the the old school method of of what we were taught about resumes doesn't necessarily apply. I still think that this next rule applies pretty uh, pretty hard. The idea of keeping your resume to one page. Oh, um, this 100%. Like that is one page just keep if, it to one page. If someone if I get a resume that's more than one page, I do not go to the next page. I just see what's on the front page. Yeah. Now there's there's a stipulation because sometimes you get a cover letter, and we'll get to that later because that's actually you did not put that down. It's something I want to talk about because yeah. I love co- cover letters. Cool. Um, which that's the only exception to a two page resume in my or a one page resume is to have a cover letter which makes it two pages. Well, technically, I would say that that's different because a cover letter nowadays I think it's acceptable for the cover letter to be an email if you have someone's direct. Contact. Oh yeah, that's that's true. True. So I wouldn't call a cover letter a page, even though it, it is in a way. Yeah, um, I can see that being the email if you're actually applying that way. So so here's here's my general rule of thumb is one page. I don't care who you are, one page, but. I think I think we it can be relaxed. So if you have one to ten years of experience, you should not have over one page. Uh, the, I'm sorry, you you just probably don't have enough to say that should be over one page. If you have ten to twenty years experience, maybe you need a second page, maybe. And then if you're twenty years plus or like an expert in the field, at that point, it's kind of moot because it, when you're at that point. A lot of times people already know you uh, and and you're just calling networks or contacts and things like that. Yeah. I, so my thing about that is you, you put these like year cutoffs. For me, I don't really care too much what you did five or six years ago. You want the most recent stuff. I want the most recent because that's stuff that's what you're what you are currently doing. Yeah. Uh, which is more important. Now, that can change, of course, but. For me, that 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 year cutoff, where like, oh, if you're over ten years experience, you can have, you can possibly have two pages. Like, now nah, I still don't. What you did as as what you did ten years ago to me doesn't really apply anymore. Maybe, and most of the time it doesn't. And like I said, the the like, if you even have to consider it, 
do one page, just no matter what. Mm-hmm. Once again, it goes back to what I said. If you have more than one page, I'm probably not reading both of them. You know, I'm not pr- pr- reading most of those. And th- like I said, it's not because I don't want to. It's supposed to be a snapshot of you. It's not supposed to be everything about your entire life. In fact, I talked to my father, um, who worked as a geophysicist for 30-something years. And I said, hey, if you were going back to get a job, how long would your resume be? And he said, it wouldn't be longer than one page. Uh, even with, with 30-something years of experience working in multiple countries, doing all this stuff, he would keep it to one page. And, uh, and once again, the resume is there to get you that conversation. And you can talk about your entire life story in that conversation. One page um, is best. So I, I have a thing that uh, I like to call the HR pit of doom. It's, it's a good term for it. It's the most depressing business structure ever, especially for us engineers. Um, mainly because, well, let me put it this way. If you go and, and, and submit your resume at X Corp and uh, they have some kind of online portal where you have to upload your resume and then you have to give all this information. And at the end of the day, you've spent two or three hours sculpting a resume for these people and go, jumping through all their hoops. And at the end, you press submit and it's like, thank you. You just submitted, you just threw your, your resume paper airplane into the HR pit of doom. It goes into a pile uh, who just with a bazillion other resumes and it's going to be passed through a filter that is the HR department. Now there is like a 150% chance that, that, that the HR department doesn't have engineers in it, doesn't know engineers and doesn't understand engineers. So your first, the first people who are going to look at your resume are highly likely to not understand any of the technical stuff you put on your resume. And if that's something you're super proud of and you sculpt your resume to be perfect in that sense, it may just go right over their head. And uh, what that, that, that passionate resume that you just created just got thrown in the no pile because they just didn't like it or whatever reason. So, so in my experience, uh, what HR does, if, if HR is the filter for resumes at this company, they have a job description that has a list of requirements, mm-hmm. which is like, it must have this much experience, must have these, you know, if it's like a, uh, if it's a technical, like software, like must know these kind of ling- uh, software languages. This, they just get a list of things. And if you don't hit those, you don't go past that gate. Bingo. Bingo. Absolutely. That's all they're doing. That's all HR is doing is, is, is filtering based off SEO. They're control effing your 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 resume for the terms that they want. They have no idea what the word EDA tool or CAD software means. They were just to, they're looking for SolidWorks or or AutoCAD. And if you have that and you type the, and you put that on your resume, then they do a search and they see that those line up. You just got thumbs up, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's just the thing. The uh, like I said, HR. Okay, I'll give an example of of something that happened that um, I was really not a huge fan of this, but it's exactly the HR pit of doom. When I was doing uh, college recruitment at at colleges around Texas, uh, it was me and the HR department. They they called me in because they actually wanted to kind of stop the HR pit of doom. 
Um, so they, they got me as an engineer to come in and, and talk shop with, with uh, students and things. Well, we would, um, at the end of the day, we would gather up all the resumes and we had a, like a system of like how we marked people we liked and people we were okay with, those kinds of things. And, and at, the, at the end of the day, we would compare all of our notes and, uh, and, and see who liked who and what, what resonated with people. And there were was, there was some students that like, they came up to me, we, we chatted, they were really nice and they were awesome. And I was just like, these are not the right fit for the job. These people just don't care whatsoever. And, and there were so many times that the HR department would be like, I really liked this person. This person was super awesome and they were great. And I was like, they had no pertinent knowledge. They were not very well suited for the job. I could tell that they, this is not what they wanted to do, but HR liked them. And, uh, and, and HR would, would pass me as a filter on that. And that was really helpful, but it also was really eye opening for me that HR and engineers are not going to see things through the same light. So your first line of defense is trying to be likable by a non-engineer person. So what that means is you have to sculpt your resume to work for them. Yet, well, you have to sculpt your resume for that uh, particular job application. Correct. And so you go look at the job application and go, okay, it's saying these things. I put those things on my resume. I make Oh, I make sure those things are on my resume. So you get past the HR pit of doom. Well, now... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well. So, so, so here's the thing. This is where I think, for a second time, the old school way of resumes come back to bite us. The old school way of having like a well designed, like perfectly uh, created resume with proper grammar, proper spelling, good design, good layout, uh, a thought on how it gets read. Those are the things that that are going to resonate more with HR as opposed to the things that are like the hard technical stuff where perhaps an engineering manager who's interviewing you, he could gloss over the fact that you misspelled a word uh, because the rest of it is like phenomenally amazing that you can design this rocket. You are awesome. Who cares if you misspell a word? Well, HR doesn't know anything about rocket design, but they know stuff about spelling. So you gotta, you you gotta play both sides here. So you say that though, I would, if someone misspelled something obvious, obvious on a resume, I would probably dock them for that because that's attention to detail. Well, and and that that is something actually. We'll we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit. Um, if your resume is well done, that shows that you can do documentation. That shows oh, yeah. that you can. That's a good point. I've actually never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like if you if you show up and you can't and you haven't written a sentence and and everything's formatted crappy and everything looks like garbage, but you can write a whole bunch of code, who cares? Like, I mean, so if you're going for a software job, format it in the language you like the best. <laughs> yeah, is it is it two spaces or a tab or whatever for all your indentations? Oh man, <laughs> you 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 incite a holy war in your interview process. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, but, but no, that's a, that's a big thing. Okay. So we, I have done resumes with an individual in the past who, uh, I love this guy to death. He's so much fun to do interviews with. He is an older gentleman, but he was like captain business in the eighties, like shoulder pads. So sharp. You could probably cut yourself on him. Uh, captain business, like lawyer, like awesome dude. But like, he's the kind of guy that, 
you know, if he calls you and leaves a, a message and you don't call back in within a reasonable amount of time, let's say like six to eight hours, then he'll dock you for that. Uh, or like if you have anything wrong on your documentation, he will make sure it's known and he'll tell you about it in the interview and things like that. He, he's kind of an asshole about that, but, it, but it's also kind of fun to be around it because those people still exist and those people will those people are potentially looking at your resume. So here's the, here's the easiest thing to do. Write up your resume, hand it to somebody else, and have them go through it with a fine tooth comb and uh, find all of your issues. And potentially hand it to multiple people and, and give them each different tasks. Say like, please, you go and check the spelling of every word on this. Give it to another person. Please check the indentation on, on every little bit of this, you know, Get as many as much help as you can, and make your resume look perfect. So the the, the trick with that though is um, one thing we haven't covered yet is especially if you're applying for an engineering job is make sure it's written like you were in your technical writing class. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's the biggest key takeaway from there too. Is um, actually we're about to get there is like avoiding. Um, Excessive verbiage, excessive adjectives, that kind of being clear what the noun is of your sentences, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Because that, that furthers the documentation side of things is if you're, let's say you wrote a cover letter. If your cover letter is not clear in its intent and and each sentence makes sense, then, well, are you actually going to be good at writing documentation? You know, I'm going to throw um, uh, a little monkey wrench in there as well. I think it is important for you to write as much as possible. Like, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, plenty, it's plenty great to have someone else help you write. Uh, my, my wife is, is an editor. And so whenever I have to do stuff like this, you, you bet your ass she's looking at everything that I, uh, I write. But I try my best to write as much as possible because I want it to come from my tone. If let's say you write your entire resume, but someone else helps you write, and I mean by helped you write, they write most of your cover letter. Most of the time, you can someone can sniff that out and mm-hmm. see like the the tone tone shifts. of these are so different that it's clear that you didn't write this or you did write this. Or um, try to be consistent on on all of that. Now, here's sort of the next thing that I think engineers can be kind of bad at. And this is one of the most difficult things. It's how to properly humble brag. Basically, how do you say you're the best at what you are uh, without coming off as engineering Jesus? Uh, like, it, it's difficult, uh, but there's, there's a few simple things you can do about that. Um, so you are not engineering Jesus. You have not solved world peace with your engineering. Just keep that in mind. Yet. Yet, right. Here's something uh, that that is really helpful. Use tangible words that describe the things you have done in your career. This is a lot more difficult when you're talking about younger engineers that have done a lot less. They tend to use more of the engineering Jesus words um, as opposed to the tangible ones. But as your career grows, you'll get more experience and hard things. So what I mean by a tangible wording is I did X task, and productivity increased Y percent. If you have those numbers, uh, that's a really great statement. And it's very simple. You did a thing, and here's a result. It's uh, really straightforward, uh, and it doesn't make you look like engineering Jesus, 
because you didn't say like because I was there the team uh, was really great that makes it seem like you're just bragging on yourself you didn't actually do anything you're just your mere presence was enough to make the team great that's not something to put on your resume try to put as much concrete I did something and here was the results I designed a product and we sold 10,000 of them that's there you go that's great uh so so as much tangible stuff is is a great way to brag about your stuff about about what you have done because there is a result just doing something without the result is kind of a brag in a way that doesn't come off really well i agree with that yeah uh okay so like parker was saying your your adjectives and your verbs matter a lot when it comes to uh, how you write and how to avoid being a bragger. Don't use the word a lot on your resume. Yeah, just don't. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's a good one. I should have put it on this list. Um, so, so don't obfuscate your work with unclear words. Unclear words... They yeah, this goes to the technical writing Yeah. Part. Well, okay, so if you're unclear, that's going to require they ask you a question about it. Uh, you would rather have a discussion about things as opposed to them asking you to just clarify what should have already been clear on your resume. So avoid things like, I collaborated with a team. Um, okay, great. That doesn't tell me anything. Tell me exactly what you did on that team. Uh, responsibilities included. I've, I've seen that before. Uh, no, just tell me the exact things you did. Uh, there's also some other buzzwords that are um, that don't really pin anything. Like, think outside the box. Okay, cool. I mean, that's fine, whatever. But but the, here's the thing. If you say, like, I'm a great person that thinks outside the box, you could write that, or you could tell me all the products you've designed, and I can see that how you thought outside the box. Yeah. See how there's, there's unclear, and then, like, wow, this is very clear and directly to the point. Uh, one is a brag and one's a humble brag, right? Uh, I'm a go-to person or I'm, I, 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 I bring, I'm, I'm a value-add kind of person. Mm, no, all of these are just nebulous. They don't really mean anything, right? Or, or this used to be big, um, and I used to see all the time put this on your resume, but the team player. So yeah, team player is kind of just, it, what the hell does that even mean? It doesn't really mean much at all. Uh, so uh, There's uh, one to add that's kind of a new term. Oh, what's that? I'm a 10X engineer. Oh, God. Who says that? Oh, that's the new thing. That's like value add or go-to person. 10X? I'm an order of magnitude above my competition. Exactly. No, oh, God, That's exactly no. what it means. That's awful. That is you, horrible. The best thing is you'll find uh, job postings that have that, that we want a 10X engineer. Oh, there we go. I got everyone in chat riled up. Yeah, I like that bald engineer. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is terrible. Um, well, okay. That's a great example. Don't do that. And yeah. if a company puts that on their job description, don't apply there. Like, no, um, that's a great example of of engineering Jesus. You, oh sorry. yeah. So the, the examples are, it's the new rock star term. Uh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. You you're not you're not here to solve everyone's problem. I mean, you're an engineer. You're here to solve some problems, but just your mere presence is not going to solve everyone's problem. It's worth keeping uh, keeping that in mind, right? Yeah. Yep. 
Um, so, okay, don't pad your resume. Don't sit there and just say like, eh, this sentence is too short. Uh, I need to just add a whole bunch of garbage to it. Remember, going back, there's there's probably a good chance that I'm not going to read it, even if you add more. So it just looks like more text. Um, I, I I have this 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 interesting feeling whenever I get a resume that's just a, like I said earlier, a brick wall of text, where I'm like, I, I I'm I'm not going to read it. Like it's just it's hard. Um, it's it's really difficult. So shorter and clearer sentences are much better than full essays about things. Um, once again, loop all the way back to the very first thing. The main goal is to start a conversation. Leave the details of every little nitty gritty thing for the conversation. Um, have the bullet points to make you get that conversation. Uh, yeah. Remember the HR pit is, uh, and the person reading your resume. Uh, now, so that, this is one thing I didn't get to mention uh, when you, because you kind of, we kind of went from HR pit of doom right into uh, technical writing, basically. Yeah. Is it depends on the company though, because we're fortunate here at MacFab where we don't have the HR pit of doom. Yeah. Um, right. Same thing as at your company too, right now, Stephen. Like when a when when I'm hiring people for engineers, I get to look. I get to be the first person to look at resumes. So. Yeah. But yes, do remember the HR pit of doom, even with that, because you don't know. Yeah, you, 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 well, okay, so here's the thing. If you design for the HR pit of doom and it doesn't exist, whatever, it looks good. Like yeah, it looks everything, good. everything is good. And you got it, you got practice for another place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so <clears throat> here's one that, that I think gets overlooked a bit is control the white space on your resume. So, all the place that doesn't have text. If you need help, go find an artist. They're great at this kind of stuff. Uh, like the way your eye gets trained as it goes down the page, like things like, do you left justify? Do you center justify paragraphs and things like that? Um, can help the, the human eye as it goes to read things. Yes. Bald engineer. Absolutely. And white space is a good thing. It, it brings clarity. It makes it easier for the, it gives your eyes the ability to breathe as you look at a page, as opposed to it just being white with a giant black center right um myself personally i i don't mind it when people put color on their resumes um i've i've done it on one or two in fact i think the resume i gave to macrofab had a little bit of color on it just for some fun um but uh i can take that or leave it it's it's one it's one thing or another um but uh, i would i would err on leaving it out in my opinion okay We'll talk about this in a second, but research, research, research. Find out who you're like. What kind of company are you interviewing for? Mm-hmm. Like when I interviewed for for WMD, I knew this place was incredibly relaxed. I knew this place was like a bunch of guys who care more about vibe than they do. Uh, you know, like what was your resume just you a bunch to? of memes? <laughs> it could be. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I needed to be professional, and I gave them a nice-looking resume. But it, it, like, I could have used a splash of color, and it wouldn't have been a knock at all on this. But if I was going to, you know, I don't know, say I was interviewing for a a job, um, let's say at a law firm looking at um, uh, patent applications and things like that, I wouldn't use color the same, like whatsoever. Yeah, it yeah. would be like the cleanest, best-looking resume known to man, because those are the kinds of people that'll slaughter you if your resume is bad, right? So you just have to know where you're, um, 
who you're talking to and what your you're audience. Yeah, know your audience. Um, get to the point with everything you do. Like, here's my job that I I most recently worked at. Here's the points about it. Uh, don't need to know much more about that. Um, he, be proud of what you have done and highlight that. Um, so, you know, if you're proud about a, a thing that a, a project you did at a job, put that at the very top of your job. I, I would say not even just proud, be proud and confident mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. about what you have done. Yeah. And, and even if it was like, I think I saw something earlier in, in chat, but it was like, even if you did something and it wasn't a perfect outcome, still put that in there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, if that spawns a conversation about how you had to deal with something difficult, I mean, yeah. that's great. Because I was someone put replace connector and blew up $600 of equipment or something like that. I'm like, put that in there because I would definitely want to talk to you about what, how that happened <laughs> and then how you wouldn't do that again. Right, right. Or Yeah. It's not even like what you learned from that, but more about like <laughs> the the process of everything going on. Like how did it all yeah. you know, pat go to pass. Um, okay, so uh just one one quick little side segment. Everything we just wrote kind of applies to engineers that have already been somewhat established. Let's talk oh, real quick about graduates. One more thing, because yeah. we're at that do not pad resume section. Yeah. Do not put that you have experience in Microsoft Excel and Word. Yeah, that's padding. And MS Paint. Everyone does. And I have see so many resumes that just list every single tool on the computer they've ever used. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't care. If, you, if, you, if you've mastered SolidWorks, you probably know how Microsoft Word and Excel works. Sure. And how Outlook works, how email works. It's like, come on. Right. Microsoft Suite. Uh, Blue Moose has a good good point here. Proficient in is a curse. Yeah, yeah. Because because yeah. really, what does that what does that mean? Um, that's that's one of those nebulous terms where when you say proficient in, what what it, I interpret that is like you're going to be really good at this, like not expert level, but you're going to be really good at this. So I'm going to need to really grill you on that. Yeah, that or uh, you actually are certified in or took classes in whatever piece of software or tool that is. Yeah. If, if you've just used the thing once or twice, you are not proficient in it, you know? Uh, okay. So yeah, let's talk about, uh, graduate resumes real quick because they're slightly different than, um, you know, if you've been in industry for a while. So here's the thing about graduate resumes. They're, they're a lot more difficult if you ask me, because you're not, you're usually not very unique as a graduate. No. Um, Especially in engineering. I, I, once again, we're talking very specifically engineering. Um, at, at Texas A&M, my class schedule... I, okay, I've told this before, I bet, but I didn't see my student advisor until my second semester senior year um, because I knew what classes I had to take. I knew my entire path. I didn't have to go talk to an advisor. I had a piece of paper that said, do this, 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 and you'll graduate. And guess what? I did this, 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 and I graduated. Like, it, it's, not, it's not difficult. Uh, and so the thing about it is everyone else who was in my, uh, my year did those exact same classes. So we're all basically the same. The thing about it is if you're a graduate or if you're in college and you're doing engineering, you got to figure out a way to make you unique. 
and your classwork does not make you unique. It makes you unique in terms of you're an engineer to people who are not an engineer, but separating you from your classmates is very difficult. And it, and the thing about that is also not your grade. Correct. Yeah. So for some, this it, it might uh, be different for other companies, or whatever. But for me, all if I'm actually need an engineer that's got a degree, all I care about is they have that degree. I don't care what GPA is attached to that. All that matters is that there's a degree. Now, there's a lot of positions that don't need a degree. That's a different discussion, like a uh, different discussion altogether. But if it's a position that you need a a bachelor's of science in electrical engineering, that's all I care about. Um, so I I would even err on not even putting if your GPA is just average or like me that was horrible. <laughs> um, I wouldn't even put it on there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, they might ask you for it. Um, but they might ask you for that just to kind of fish for questions. If yeah. you if you have enough interesting information on your resume, they probably won't ask that because you'll yeah. be talking about other things. Yeah. Uh, so no one asked I, me that I had a like a three. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I see I see a lot of the Twitch chat saying some of the next things that are coming up here. Uh, I know it's difficult because engineers, especially excellent electrical engineers, have zero time on their hand, uh, free time. But personal projects, doing things outside of school that somehow relate back to your degree are infinitely better well, than not just, just putting that, your, your, your uh But not just classes. that. It could be, in my opinion, any anything that's like re- like you do during school, you should put it down on there. Like um, any clubs you really like in that kind of stuff, you should put that on because that's what you own. That's all you have. Um, and as long as it doesn't run over a page, right? <laughs> That'd be even worse. <laughs> that kind of stuff gives you more. I'm going to use a buzzword: life experiences mm. that you can put on your resume and use. Sure. Now, I would say avoid high school stuff. Hundred percent. Do not even put any high school stuff on it because it doesn't matter. That, that's even more like you're talking about like uh, engineers, like you separating yourself from other engineers. Every high school, especially here in like Texas or or United States, actually, where we have standardized tests. If you completed high school, you completed those tests. So everyone's the same. Yeah. So what makes you different that you did clubs and that kind of stuff? Same thing in college. What separates you from other engineers? the other stuff you did while in college. Well, and, so projects, that kind of stuff. And, and, and the, the point I was getting at is, uh, I, I, I completely agree. Any, put anything that is extracurricular out there, but, but I guess the argument that I was saying is like, let's say you're an electrical engineer and you design circuits on the side, uh, and you design PCBs and you've been doing that for a while. Or Parker, you did Atari stuff and things like that. Back I, in that college. That's the best thing is I did that and changed my major so I can do that stuff better. <laughs> You know, I did the same thing. I was an aerospace yeah. engineer when I when I entered college, and I dumped that as fast as I possibly could because I was like, I want to do electrical stuff, yep. and and that's just the thing. Like, I put you, you you better believe that my resume had all my extra projects that I did outside oh, yeah. of college on it, and that gave people the ability to just have chats about stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and and those are big. Here's here's a big no no. 
two big no-nos that I ran into. Uh, there was one particular student who came up to me. I was, we, I was doing a job fair at Texas A&M. This was probably two or three years after I graduated. So not very long after I graduated, this student handed me his resume and his resume was an, like a huge block of all the classes he, he had taken or is currently taking. And then underneath he wrote one project underneath there. And I was excited because, was like, oh, this is a project. Well, I realized that project was a homework assignment from one of the classes that I had taken and I had had the exact same ho- uh, homework assignment. Oh, no. And I was like, dude, this is not good. Here's the thing. Like, I knew that, like, I did that exact same project because it mm-hmm. was required of me. There was nothing special about that. Every other electrical engineer in that room had to do that exact same project. And then I asked him about it. And he couldn't speak intelligently about it. If you're going to put something down on your resume, you got to be prepared to talk about it. Uh, and he was like, uh, 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 I don't remember exactly. And I was like, dude, you put this on your resume. And, and I was asking him some basic stuff about it. Um, and, and so I think he had the right mindset but just didn't prepare well. He was padding his resume really hard by putting big font of all the classes he put on there and then put a project and couldn't talk about so, it. So that's actually a thing is we're saying one page. It could be shorter than a page. Oh, for sure. You do not need to pad your resume to fill up a page. Right. I think that's a good clarification to put in. 100%. But only put, I would say... I, I can actually go either way on this because I didn't have internships that dealt with electrical engineering. I for my previous degree, which was I was a petroleum engineer for a little bit, and I had to I had internships with that. But once I switched over to ECE, I just dropped those off my resume because they they're not they don't apply anymore. They don't apply. Um, I guess you, but I had other stuff to put on there that like my side projects. My, for me, my side projects are related to electrical engineering and are more important to me getting an electrical engineering job versus that I was sweeping floors and painting stuff for a uh, compressor shop, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if anything, it just shows that you can show up to a job and work, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm saying if you don't have side projects, then definitely internships, uh, even if they're not even related to your uh, degree, is okay. For sure, for sure. You got to show you that you're reliable. That's at least what, like... That's that's the thing, though. Is I'm, I'm I'm contradicting myself. Is you getting a piece of a degree shows you're at least reliable enough for four years? I mean, that's yeah. Honestly, that's that's a college degree. Now we're getting on a tangent. A college degree shows that you can put up with a bunch of BS. I mean, that's kind yeah. of what it does. Like you're going to learn most of your stuff when you get in your job, right? Yes. Yeah, I agree there. Okay, so so one quick thing on objective statements up at the top. This is just a personal thing. I can take them or leave them. Uh, here's the oh. thing. I get it. You want a job and you want to learn. That's what 99% of objective statements say. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I usually don't read them. Like I would say objective statements are very similar to cover letters. Either that they're too... Sh- it, 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 your objective statement is either too short and it just says what you just said there. Um, that when you read between the lines, that's what that says. And if it's too... if it. It, it gets any longer, it becomes a cover letter. Just leave the objective statement out and just write a cover letter. Um, I would say cover letters um, are very important when, if you're applying for a job that you don't have direct experience with, and it's not an introductory level. Um, that would be like, why are you switching 
changing your gears and your middle of your career path. Um, th- that's super important. If I guess if you need justification. Yeah, and I would say if if for me at least, if I'm if someone applies to a job and I'm like you don't have any experience in this, and we require five years of experience, but I, you worked in this industry, but not in this particular area. But if your cover letter says this is why you want to do that, then I'll actually consider it because most time people are just you know mass spamming you know por- uh, job portals. Oh so, right, yeah, just otherwise. shotgunning out resumes. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, we, we got a uh, we got a question in the Twitch chat from Blue Moose uh, that says um, other ways to have that conversation besides sending in an online resume. Uh, okay, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you two personal examples, both of which got me a job. Uh, example one, I called Parker Dillman. Um, I yeah, <laughs> I, I I actually drove over to Macrofab. I knocked on the door and no one answered. Uh, and so I drove home and then I found Parker Dillman's phone number and I gave him a call and I said, can I come in? And we talked. And at the end of it, I had an interview. Um, that works. The other one was my current job. Um, they didn't have any postings online for anything. Uh, no job descriptions or anything like that. I, I wrote them an email. I found an email for their info thing. And I just said, I love what you do. I can do this too. I'd love to work for you. Uh, and here's my resume. Hit me up if you're interested. And that got me an interview. So if you want to try to find a way around the HR pit of doom, uh, it ends up being a conversation with a real human being. You got to find a way to make that happen. Yeah. Um, my first real job, um, I got through the, I got, uh, I worked for the, uh, electrical engineering department at UT university, Texas, and I got that job by um, walking into the advisor office and just asked if they had like job openings. And they said, no, but you can leave resume. And then the next day, a professor called me and said, hey, you want to like just sort mail and like load printers and stuff? And I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> so that's how I got a job. So, yeah, just cold calling, man. Works. It sucks. It's not fun. It does suck. It's really not fun. Especially when, like, me, I'm, like, at that time, like, I was super introverted and didn't really like, like, I was scared to, like, talk to people on phones. I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, it's really not fun. Um, But, you know, that, that gets you, that gets you in the door way faster than you think. Yeah, it does. You could, I guess you could, with, with all social media and stuff, you could probably, like, side channel attack uh i'm looking at chat uh really easily nowadays find out where like the higher up engineers are hanging out like what bar they're at (laughs) that's stalking (laughs) buy someone a beer there okay i have i do have um i do have a uh i had that happen effectively I, i i wanted to work at a particular company um this was not long after i graduated um and i i found on facebook I don't remember how I just found on Facebook, somebody who's like, I'm an engineer that works at this company. And I just sent the guy a personal message. Um, and I was like, and it was once again, like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like I didn't say I'm sorry, but I know this is, this is odd. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm really interested. Here's my qualifications. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I would appreciate if you pass off your, uh, my resume. I had an interview with that company. I didn't, I didn't get the job, because uh, I, I was like two years out of college and they just really didn't need that at the time. But that worked, uh, you know. So, 
Yeah, any any way you can get around the pit of doom, it it, mm-hmm. it works. You know, yeah, it's really hard for graduates. Yeah, you know? yeah, very hard. Um, a good suggestion here is don't uh, don't shit over over your current or past employers uh, in your resume at all. Uh, okay, let's let's take this as a as a chance to talk about a life. Um, uh, you know. Just don't do that ever. Like, just, yeah. there's no need to. Like, what's the point to ever do that? Like, okay, if you're if you're at the bar having a beer with your buddy and you want to talk some crap about business, I guess that that's a situation where like you might just be like reminiscing about bad times in the past, whatever. But like, yeah, just professionally, don't ever do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no there's nothing to be gained. Right. Right. Yeah. Actually, there's only stuff to lose. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that was that was pretty lengthy about resumes you want to move on to doing interviews interviews yeah so uh, earlier um i was talking about how i use basically the resumes to figure out if someone's qualified so in interviews I, this is just my opinion and i know this i i actually when i'm interviewing people i have other people interview them as well just from the fact that i don't think i'm a very good interviewer like interviewing people um Your resume says if you're qualified or not. I might ask like some things about um, if there's something interesting, uh, like projects, that kind of stuff. But I'm mostly in in an interview. I'm trying to figure out who you are and if you know stuff about the company or not. Oh, like if you did your research? Yeah, did your research. Because then it gets to that. We were talking about objective statements where uh, looking for a job, I want money. Like, yeah, that's. That this is what that boils down to, right? It's you need money, you're gonna get a job, right? So, what is there anything more to that than than this job exchange interview resume stuff? Is there anything else? And that's what the interview is for. As I get older, this first statement um, matters more and more to me. Whereas when I was younger, it, it didn't. Uh, the you're interviewing for a place where you're likely to spend a third of your life. Uh, like don't take that lightly, you know? And, and and so like interview, like research the place, look at what they're doing. Like these people who you're talking, you are talking to are going to be relying on you or you're going to be relying on them. If you get the job to get things done, these are the people who are going to be in the trenches with you, either heaping stress on you or taking stress off of you. Like, feel that out is that something you want to do with them you know when you're a first graduate you're you're hungry to do anything so whatever who cares just give me the job yeah, but as you get older like remember you're interviewing them mm-hmm. and and i i think that goes exactly with what you were saying there parker uh like if you show up and you don't know anything about this job then it's and then it yeah it does boil down to like i'm just here to make a buck yeah yeah. And and for most of my positions, like I don't want to work with someone that's like that. I want to work this is just my opinion. I want to work with someone who's passionate about the job, passionate about the company, that kind of stuff. And um also like can I give this person a project and I know that that person will succeed? So here's a question for you, Parker. If if an engineer shows up for an interview and he's wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Do you dock? Hired right away. <laughs> how do you feel? No, how do you feel that's about? Because I wear a jean and t-shirt yeah. every day. 
<laughs> How do you feel about uh, the way they dress at an interview? Um, so, MacFab is different, um, and so WMD is different. Um, now, I have worked for an oil and gas company that business casual is what you wear every day. Mm-hmm. Um, minus the days you go in the field, most days we're in the field. A lot of times I would bring two sets of clothes to work. One I'm wearing, which is business casual, and they're like, oh, you're going to the field. Okay, I'm going to go in the bathroom and change into jeans and, and a shirt. But, um, yes, dress appropriately, number one. Because you, you you could also, like, this would be very, you could actually call and say, like, hey, what's your, your uh, what's your business, what's your, uh, what's your business attire, yeah. business attire? Yeah. I was trying to think if that was the right term, and it probably is. Actually, I bet you. Okay, so if you did that, um, say you, you you reach HR, I would not be surprised if HR went goes to the engineering manager and just say, "Hey, this person called and and asked about that." Yeah. Uh, that kind of stuff happens all the time. If you do, and you might good, actually get taken you, out of HR pit of doom. Maybe, too. maybe, absolutely. So yeah, the the thing about it is wearing a suit. Um, you know, putting on your absolute best that you got, you should have that if, uh, as an engineer, uh, because you might need it. So it's always better to overdress, uh, than it is to underdress, but it's also, in my opinion, I think it's good to get a feel for it. If you can dress dressier than the people at the place you're going to. So you, you give off a good look, but you're not just like blowing it out the water. Like I think tux. that's, I think that's better. Yeah. Like, okay. You know, my, my, my yeah. company's not an engineering firm, but if I would have shown up with a tux, then they would have been like, get out of here, man. Yeah. And, and, and just because like it would have been really awkward and that's not good. I, I had seen this place. I had seen the, the people who worked there. So I showed up in jeans and a flannel shirt and, and, I, and it looked nice, but that was my interview. And I knew that that was right for that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't wear a suit for my MacFab en- uh, interview. And uh, and I and and that was fine. That worked out. I sure as hell wore one for my first um, interview, which was an engineering firm, and it was with the vice president and the president of the company, and it worked out. Uh, mm-hmm. So you just have to kind of figure out and and feel it. Yeah, my, my my first job, I wore business casual. Yeah, and actually, the interview I had with Chris Church at the previous company, Dynamic Perception, I was wearing a slacks and a nice button down shirt. What you would call a Sunday dress, I guess. Nothing yeah, too fancy. But sure. fancy. Fancier than what I normally would wear. You know, actually, okay, so this last year kind of screwed things up. Uh, so what's your thoughts about what to wear if you're doing a virtual interview, like, during COVID time? Like, wearing a suit for a virtual interview would have been like, oh, that's weird. So we interviewed, um, I don't know if he's our most recent engineer, and he wore a suit during the interview, and I thought it was really funny. Um, so, <laughs> craft lab, yeah, uh, no pants, yeah, no, no pants. Well, I guess, I guess, yeah, business on top. Um, I would say s- same thing applies. Uh, dress appropriately. It's still a formal conversation that you're having with with the company. Um, so, I, I like bald engineer has a very good point here it's it is cliche but it's easier to dress down once you're there if everyone has jeans on take your tie off um i would say bare minimal is probably good pair of pants so they can be slacks or a really like 
new pair of jeans. Don't wear jeans that are ripped, um, even if they're in fashion. Uh, <laughs> wear a buttoned shirt, long sleeve, um, that looks good with a tie. And you could wear a tie, and if everyone is in jeans and t-shirts, you can just take your tie off, and it'll help you de-stress, relax, that kind of stuff. But then, because that's that's would be formal enough for most, because you're still business casual bracketed, but you can easily dress up, and you're dressed up enough if you're okay. You can have a sport jacket. That'd be fine. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I think button-down shirt tucked in with a belt and, uh, and, a, and, a, and a sports coat, that can be done with jeans or it can be done with slacks, depending on how, uh, like what level of business you need to go on to. Mm-hmm. And that just looks, that looks classy in, in general. So I, yes. I think that's a, that's, a really, that's a fairly easy one to pull off. Mm-hmm. And then you can, you can do a tie if you want. Uh, you know, unless the company is like, unless you're designing like gag toys or something like that, don't, probably don't wear a bow tie or anything goofy. Like don't be goofy in an interview like goofy doesn't get you really far you know like i said unless you're like magic trick stuff you're designing <laughs> i don't know whatever you're, you're applying to be a magician yeah <laughs> uh cool so yeah i, th- I thought we I didn't think we'd spend that much time on on dressing but yeah I, it, it is it is important so so here's the next thing um come prepared now that goes along with researching the company and and just knowing general ideas about what you're interviewing for. But uh, when I say come prepared, I mean, nobody's going to stop you bringing a briefcase or a bag or something like that with, uh, with things. Bring uh, a notepad and something to write on. Bring multiple copies of your resume. You never know when like the president of the company is going to swing by and pop his head in and be like, Hey, what's up? You can turn around and hand him your resume. Like, it looks great. Do, do that. It's good. Um, if, if you do bring your resume, for the love of God, don't just print them on regular printer paper and just put them in a bag. Like, I personally don't think they need to be on, like, the ultra-expensive resume paper. Just print them on heavier paper and then put them in a folder what? so they stay nice, you know? You, I, 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 I've been putting them on my printing press and embossing them in gold leaf this whole time, and that's not necessary? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and monogrammed with with your own machine that you designed. Actually, yeah. that would be pretty legit if if, yeah. you, if you did that. That would be that would be kind of awesome, actually. Um, I, I would agree there. I would say, yeah, co- copies of your resume. Make sure that this is the thing about that is make sure it's printed well, though. In terms of <laughs> your like- printer, no, not that your printer's not running out of ink. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This might be worth something. Like if it's like do it a couple days before. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. 30 minutes before you're leaving, because that's when your printer is going to definitely be out of ink. 100%. Like, think about when you're in school and you're printing up your 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 English paper right before you have to turn it in. Guess what? Your printer's always out of ink. 100%. So if you have a card for whatever reason, maybe you have a side gig or, or, or whatever, maybe you just have a card, have that card that card with a with a paper clip on that resume so you hand it to them and then they have like a takeaway uh, that's good. Like anything that, that keeps you in anything that makes them remember you because most of the time when people are interviewing, they'll line up like four or five or more. And then at the end of it, you know, if you were number the first one of the day, then, you know, at 
four o'clock in the afternoon. They're all sitting back and trying to remember all the people. Like if you have little things that help them remember you, those are, those are big uh, pluses. Now there's some people talking about like uh, using uh, a flexible PCB as your resume, like an eight and a half by 11 sheet of flexible that goes into um, PCB business cards. Um, And this is going to, I made a PCB business card when I was first trying to get my first couple jobs. Um, I don't, it, I, it did not help, at least for me. I did not get my first job because of my, my PCB business card. Um, I don't know. I would not suggest that to someone. Um, mainly for... It's kitschy. Yeah, it, it, well, you're trying, you brought up things that people will remember you by. And sure, it's different, but I think it gets to the point where um, I've actually seen a lot of interviewees give me that kind of stuff. Uh, well, I now. guess if everyone does it, then you're not unique, right? Yeah. Um, if it guarantees the job offer, it might be worth it. I, that's the thing is, it didn't work out for me. It might have worked out for someone else. I Well, I mean, okay, I'm not saying that you bombed the interview, but like if those things exist but you're not good in the interview you're not going to get the job those things all they are there is to help them remember you at the end of the day when they have to go back through uh resumes and 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 like pick candidates and things so there's a better way to do that oh and it is to uh craft lab brought this up earlier and i was like could it be a good point for here is is a couple days later or maybe a couple of hours after your interview is to call or send an email and thank and thank the people who interviewed you and said, Hey, if it, my favorite's like, even if you don't get the job is even ask them like, Hey, what could I have done better? Mm, yeah. Is why was, why was I not chosen? Mm-hmm. Um, because they could just have been simply, you weren't qualified enough and you're like, okay, I got to get more experience to get that kind of job or something else. So I see a lot of the chat saying the same thing, and it's actually the next thing on our notes. Uh, So it seems like we're all in agreement here. But um, bring your work. If you've designed a widget or a gizmo, bring it along if you can. Uh, Bring anything that you've done. Uh, Show and tell is fantastic in an interview, and it really helps move the conversation along. It's something that you can point to. It's something that you can discuss difficult things on. You can grab a part of it and say, I had trouble with this. This is how I had to design to get around it. It just makes uh, interviews go really, really smooth. Uh, So if you can't bring your gizmo, maybe you don't have one or or whatever. uh, If you have pictures of it, I would say bring a portfolio of what that is uh, with more Mm -hmm. information on it. Once again, print that up nice, make it look nice. Uh, I think this kind of goes back to what I said earlier. Like if you have a portfolio and you make your documentation of your work look nice, then it shows that you can do documentation. It shows that you can compile something and make it look good. Uh, That always goes over well. And you could always, I mean, if you wanted to, you could make a portfolio of all of your work. I would, I think I would recommend perhaps breaking it down into smaller chunks. Um, Or if, or if you do have, that volume of work tailoring it for the job you're going for exactly like if i knew i was going to work for xyz company and i designed a product that's in that realm uh then i would really focus on that and maybe i would just bring that one thing and 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 then we could you know talk about all the rest of it but Mm -hmm. if you have show and tell that really helps out a lot 
Now, what's what's interesting is the there was some talk earlier in in the chat about um, we are in a unique space here where a lot of us are the, we live and breathe our our job, so to speak. Like we we Stephen and I come home and we work on electronics in our in our caves, mm-hmm. right? And um, and then we go to work and we we we're fortunate enough that that's what we enjoy doing is also like we get paid to do it too. Um, but there are the nine to five engineers that just, they don't have projects cause they don't work on stuff at home. Um, but that's where you can, that's what I was saying earlier about putting everything on your resume, like for graduates, like clubs and stuff that not even relevant, but separate you out from the pack of what makes you different. Um, because, if you're a, if you're a person that likes to golf, like I bet you one of your interviewees will like to golf too mm. and make, put that like, and that's like your hobby or whatever you can, that, that sparks that conversation separates you out from there. I know it's kind of a weird thing to bring up here, but we were talking about projects and not every engineer like enjoys engineering as their, as their hobby. They might really like it. It's just that's not what they like to do when they get home. They might like to do woodworking. And nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. Although I I feel like this is highly unfair. Um, See, there, there you go. Hold on, hold on. Bald yeah, Engineer is when, when Bald Engineer was hiring people, non-electronic projects were just as interesting as electronic projects. So that is 100% true. Anything that's like, I love it when people build stuff. Um, or create creation is, is what, what we should be looking for here, especially if it's a creation or creative type of job, which PCB layout and electronic design is a hundred percent of creative outlet. In the interview for my first job out of college, the very last thing I was asked in that entire interview was, uh, when was the last time you took something apart? And, um, Two days earlier, I had actually broken down something just to get an idea of the mechanical stack up and how everything fit together and how they designed the PCB to put it all together. And that just destroyed the question. And it wasn't like it had nothing to do with with any of these other uh, um, any of the things I was interviewing for. But but just showing that like something like that had happened and then being able to talk about why I did it and how it did apply, even though like the, the physical guts didn't, uh, mm-hmm. that's big. Those kinds of things are, are great. So Parker, you added some, uh, personality tests onto the end of this. Yeah. So that's, that's like, it, they've always been in interviews and stuff like that. But whenever you get those weird questions of like, if you were an animal, what would you be? Uh, what is your greatest strength? Which I, I hate that question. <laughs> um, so I typically don't ask these questions at all, but I know they're very popular in interviews. Um, I'd rather get those personalities from the other things you're talking about, like projects, life experiences, that kind of stuff. How you tackled how you tackled a problem gleans more into your personality than answering one of these questions for me, at least. Um, but some people really like them. Um, so how do you prep for those kind of questions? Because I'm one, I'm awful at it, using those questions and two uh i i i'm terrible at answering them as well well okay here's here's the thing for me whenever i whenever i <laughs> see somebody <laughs> my greatest strength is making my weakness look strong <laughs> you make it sound like an anime 
yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> I, I prefer honesty when it comes to those kinds of things. So when whenever you ask somebody what is your greatest weakness or your greatest – like when you say what's your greatest weakness and they're like, I don't know, they, they give you some kind of crappy answer about – uh, you know, not, I have, I haven't learned enough yet, uh, but I'm looking forward to learning more. Like, ah, no, I don't, I don't care. Give, give me, give me honest. I want to know what is your, I, 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 I have a tendency to procrastinate sometimes, um, or, or whatever. Recognizing that kind of thing and being honest about it, I think is huge. Like you have to be vulnerable in front of somebody, but the fact that you're able to analyze yourself and actually give a real honest to God answer, is huge. And if you, and if you're a graduate, the best thing you can say there is, I don't have a lot of experience. What's my greatest weakness? Experience. Sure. That's a little bit of a canned answer, but sure. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, is, it, but it answers the question, I guess. It answers the question, yeah. in my opinion, really well, too. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And you got to remember, a lot of college students think that they're the king of the worlds. Well, uh, yeah. They, they, or queen of the world. Engineering or Jesus. Yeah. Engineering. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I don't know. Like those ones are ugh. okay. So uh, I've I've interviewed with a guy once, uh, and he, and he asked this question uh, to every candidate. He would say, "Who's your Who's your best friend?" And you know the blah blah blah. They come up with Sarah is my best friend. Okay, if we called Sarah, what would Sarah say about your heart? Uh, and then they would have to guess what their friend would say about them. And then they say, "What would Sarah say about your your mind? The way you think." Uh, and then, and then at the end of it, they'd be like, what if we called Sarah right now? What would you say? Uh, and there's actually been a situation where the person pulled out their phone and was like, call Sarah. And they did, you know? Uh, and, and, and she, she answered that question. I think that's a little bit unfair, but it was also really funny. Um, it would be unfair to me because I'd answer my dog. <laughs> King. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Uh, he pets me every day. He yeah. takes me on walks. He feeds me, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it it does it. It is interesting because they have to take themselves out of their own mind and think about the way that their friend would think about them. And I think that's a an interesting um, point. There's a lot of good stuff in this, but uh, in the, in the chat right now. But um, yeah, turn on. Don't. I would say, uh, don't take a call during an interview. Hundred percent, unless like it's your grandmother or, or your mom or dad dying or something like that like but your your interviewee will understand that <laughs> i'm gonna t- otherwise turn your phone off so this is this uh, this is in relation to that it's way way worse way worse um don't do this we once had an interview where we brought the candidate in and you know we are all shaking hands and learning names and things like that please have a seat and then we heard a sound that was, um, I don't know how to put this right. It was, they were adult sounds. Let's just put it that way. And then, Adults. <laughs> and then a phone got pulled out of a pocket and um, somebody had to navigate away from a website they were on, uh, perhaps an adult website. Uh, and the rest of the interview, because that was the very beginning of the interview, um, don't look at adult websites when you're in the parking lot waiting for your turn to uh, do an interview. Uh, I think it was also brought up. Don't smoke weed before your interview as well. Yeah, uh, y- y- you just want you want to avoid those kind of. Um, I-, I guess unless awkward. like you're working for a grower. 
<laughs> actually, I mean, here's the thing up here in Colorado. No, actually, like, not really a bad thing. Smoking your own product is probably not a good thing either. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, they're pretty strict up here uh, at, at most of the, the places that, uh, you know, work in that industry. Um, I, I, a good friend of mine, she um, she's a part owner of it, and they don't really... You'd be surprised. It's not a bunch of potheads working at pot factories, you know. So it's it's the exact opposite of like a brewery, then. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because at a brewery, it's totally people who like to drink beer are also brewers. Yeah, for sure. I, and so. honestly, that's a good thing. You you wouldn't want somebody who's currently going through AA to show up to your interview uh, to be a head brewer, right? Like that just doesn't ring out well. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so I would think uh, let's do a quick round of questions yeah. from chat. So if, if uh, anyone's got some questions, because I know we were going through some and adding some stuff, but if anyone's got some questions ready to go. You know, I'll, I'll let people think about uh, There was actually a question from Slack. I will, uh, I'll just do this one real quick. How do you okay. describe things in your resume that you can't describe in detail on your resume? Oh, this goes back to putting enough information down to spark the conversation. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, like you got to figure out what about the thing you're trying to describe uh, gets you in the door with that conversation. Yeah. So like, like, like let's say you were uh, an engineer that worked on the space shuttle. You probably worked on like a hundred subsystems, but you can't explain all those. But you can be like, I worked on the space shuttle and that's all you have to put down. And then, yeah, tell me your about your interviewee is going to be like, okay, I want to talk about that. Right. Yeah, I think yeah. Right. Would you prefer to give an elevator pitch at a job fair or just walk up and start talking shop? Question from Defcon one two three four five. Okay, so that depends. Uh, that depends a lot on on what the job is, but um, also your personality. I absolutely detest small talk. The, small talk is is. I hate it. So I'd rather just walk up to someone, shake their hand, and just start talking shop. And ha being on the other side of that situation, I would have loved it if a student walked up to me at a job fair, or it doesn't have to be a student. Anyone at a job fair just started talking shop with me. Those conversations always went best. In fact, talk shop first, and then once you're done talking shop, then talk about the weather or something like that. Yeah, elevator pitches don't work for me or on me either. Um, I never got a job through a job fair as well. Um, I never had good experience with those. Um, because again, um, your elevator pitch, uh, doesn't differentiate. Everyone's elevator pitch at a job fair for students is the same. So learning to talk shop or talk about maybe your elevator pitch is just about the stuff that makes you a hundred percent different. Like your side projects. You can, can that i guess yeah i don't know like if someone just walked up to me and was didn't want to hear about my stuff uh, like if i was if i was hiring for uh, at a job fair and mm -hmm. they just walked up to me and was like let me tell you about my side projects that that seems awkward i don't know if that would work out well but maybe i don't i, I guess i'd have to see how it pans out damn this was a this was a long one wasn't it uh i think we're at like an hour and 20 minutes yeah Hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> well, I'm not seeing uh, many other questions uh, roll in here. Do you have anything to add to this, Parker? Um, no. Oh, we're hiring at Macrofab. Hey. Um, we're hiring like three or four 
engineer positions, and then there's a bunch of other almost every single department's hiring right now. So so what if what if a candidate came in and said, I took a lot of these things to heart and I listened to your episode? Would that give them would you give them thumbs up? Uh yes. Cause one of the things I ask is uh especially if I'm interviewing, is like like I ask them like what what does Macrofab do? Like why are you coming to Macrofab for a job? Um what does Macrofab do? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're, um, you're, I think that's you're super important. <laughs> no, it's it's really it's like how they answer that. It's a big insight for me, at least in their personality. Yeah, and but if I'm asking someone in for an interview already, then I've gleaned enough information that they have enough, you know, of the the chops, so to speak, on the resume. <laughs> oh, that's easy. Macfab Fabs on the macro scale hired. Hired. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, Misha's got a good one here. Find a problem your interviewer cares about. Become the solution to that problem. Why does the job exist? Figure it out. It's a really I, good thing. I, I like that, Misha. That's great. That's also like, that's intense. I mean, that requires that requires a huge amount of upfront knowledge, which which sometimes is really difficult. But it could be as simple as you know, calling the company, mean like you know, hey. What's his job actually entail? Because a lot of times, like, um, when let's say you go to like MacFab's job post, like all job postings like this, like the first like three page, uh, three paragraphs are just like junk that don't pertain to that particular job at all. It's just fluff material. So, for sure, if if you are the interviewee. Knowing uh, one question, I like like I'd like to be asked is like, what are their normal day-to-day job going to be like like what are they actually going to be doing every day because some people just don't know you know um i worked with an engineer it's different from each company uh so i worked with a guy who did who did something interesting i never heard of this um and it seems awkward but in his interview everything went well and they asked him you know uh you know how he was feeling and things like that And, and he asked them straight straightforward he just said can I come in for one day of work and just sit and uh, observe and see how everything goes around here? And they let him do it. And he, he got to sit one day at work and see how the company ran and, and, and everything. And, and he worked there for 25 years after that. He liked it. Um, and they were cool with that. I think that's really cool. Uh, and and I, I say, don't be afraid to ask questions of that sort if, if, that's, if you feel that's right. Uh, I mean, what's the worst they can say is no, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But that's a that's a pretty cool idea. If you're worried about the culture of the company, if you're worried about like the vibe, I guess, or or something, um, you can you could ask for something like that, or or maybe ask for like an hour or something. A full day is is odd. And depending on what that company works on, too. <laughs> yeah, if you're allowed to see it or not. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel if a candidate asks about the negatives of a job or company? Oh, I, that's that's perfectly fine. I mean, we we ask we ask the question: What is your greatest weakness? <laughs> what's <That's>, yours? <laughs> yeah, what's yours? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, that, especially since that's you know stress levels. How much is your workload? That kind of stuff. Well, and you have to word that correctly. You can't look at someone and be like, "Why does it suck working here?" You, you can't. <laughs> 
No, you, can, you, you have to ask it properly, right? Yeah, you have to ask it properly, but yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be actually, I actually, I don't think I've had anyone ask me that kind of question before. So I would totally, I'd be down to answering that though. Yeah, that's interesting. If you're less gutsy, you can ask why the position is open. Yep, that's a good one. Yeah, actually, that, um, I, I think expanding on that, you can ask like, is this position open because you're expanding? Um, uh, or, or not even that direct. You can ask about growth and then um, perhaps ask like, is this position because of growth and things like that? Mm-hmm. It's been my experience though, like you'll get told that. Actually, it's been my experience that that's like the beginning of the interview. Like, we're opening up positions because blah, 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 and this is one of them, and we're looking for an engineer to do X, Y, Z kind of stuff. I think that's going to wrap it up. Yeah, I think so. So that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dolman. Take it easy. Later, everyone. Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Parker and I know. Tweet us at Macrofab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us, uh, email us at podcast at macrofab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at macrofab.com slash Slack.